Uh, I am going to start with a little tweaker humor because I'm nervous. Um, if the spinning bothers you, I'm sorry, I'm a tweaker. You can't give me something that spins and expect me not to spin it. Um, so, all right, all jokes aside, uh, again, I am Robert. I am an addict. Um, I want to start out by saying well, congratulations to all the chip takers, especially the newcomer. That's a huge deal. Congratulations, dude. Um, just walking into this door was probably one of the hardest fucking things I ever did and one of the best things I ever fucking did. Um, I promise it gets better. Uh, my sobriety date is November 17th, 2017, which I am very minimally responsible for. Um, so I will give you a little bit of what it was like, uh, what I did to make it stop being like that and what it's like now. Um, I was born in Virginia. Um, I grew up in a pretty wealthy family, not quite trust fund baby wealthy, but pretty wealthy. Um, I had most things handed to me on a silver platter. I had, I did well in school. I played cello. I, uh, ran cross country, you know, whatever on the outside, everything looked pretty fucking good. Never had to sh struggle for anything really. Um, but on the inside, I was absolutely dying on the inside. I was absolutely miserable. It was never enough. I, ne it was never good enough. I was never good enough. You were never good enough. I always wanted more, 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 more. Whether, long before I found drugs and alcohol, I had that ism or the, the, I need more in my head. Um, I'm a firm believer that drugs and alcohol were my solution to my problem. My real problem is me. Um, my, the way I perceive things, the way I treat people, the way I treat myself, that just everything that's going on in this fucking batshit little box up there, that's my problem. Uh, so grew up in Virginia, wealthy family. I say that not really to brag, but I say that to kind of prove like addiction does not discriminate. It does not give a fuck where you come from. It just wants you broken. Uh, and that's where it brought me many times before I finally gave in and I gave in many times and then didn't. And then anyways, I'm fairly sure we're all familiar with this cycle. Um, grew up in Virginia. I then, when I was 18, my parents had both grown up in California. So we moved out here. Uh, I took a semester off from school. I found pot, I found beer and I found that if you mix them together, it felt really good. Uh, and I didn't have to think. And I didn't have to just want to crawl out of my fucking skin. Like, I had smoked and drank a little bit before that. But when I was 18 was the first time I got that <sighs> feeling. Um, and I didn't want to fucking stop. Uh, it took me a few... It took me a little bit longer to get, like, full-blown fucking alcoholic addict, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um... After a couple months, uh, after taking that semester off, I went to college in North Carolina at Appalachian State, uh, which is a decent school. Uh, no Ivy League by any means, but you know, it was the only school I applied to, which my parents were real fucking nervous about. And I got in. Um, like many of us addicts and alcoholics, ambition is not my problem. Brains is not really my problem. My 
problem is I use all that ambition in those brains for the absolute wrong fucking reasons. I use, like, when, when I'm going to skip a little ahead. Uh, once I did that fourth step and that fifth step, a big part of what my sponsor taught me was a lot of those defects, those things used to do for you. Uh, those things used to be your defense mechanisms. They used to be, you know, how you coped, how you coped with all the bullshit and all the craziness that an addict's life entails. And eventually I just took it way too far. I just took them way too far. You know, ever, maybe being lazy here and there is not the end of the world, but when you literally don't get out of bed for weeks except to fucking go hit up the dope man, that's probably a problem. That level of laziness is probably pretty difficult. And then you want to bitch and cry while you don't have a job or school kicked you out or fucking nobody wants to hang out with you uh, because you won't even fucking move out of your bed. Um, so I went to college and that is where I really took off. That is the first time where I did not have mommy and daddy over my shoulder. Um, that was the first time where I was really left to my own devices and it was fucking game on. Um, I very quickly found Molly, I found Coke, I found pretty much everything under the fucking sun that you could put in your nostril, and I absolutely loved it. Um, after doing that for about a year, um, I got put on academic probation, and I think like about a week after my 20th birthday, um, I got a call from my parents saying that we're not paying $20,000 for you to get fucked up. And of course at that, like I'm all mad and it's their fault and how dare you treat me like this. When literally a week before at my 20th birthday, I did shrooms, I did Xanax, I drank like probably 30 beers, I smoked a shitload of weed and I fucking overdosed. And my parents got a call at three o'clock in the morning from the police because they found me in Boone in 20 degree weather in nothing but my boxers, face down in snow, like, but it's everybody else's fault. That's totally normal. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like you don't, you just don't know how to have a good Tuesday night. That's not my fault. Um, and I, I still just, I could not see past the bullshit that I had just completely wrapped myself in. Uh, I, I can't really speak for anybody else, but at least for me, I got really good at lying and manipulating everybody. But something that I really had to realize once I got sober is the person that I lied to and I manipulated the most, me. Um, I, one of my old case managers, I did go through treatment and one of my old case managers, she used to always tell me like, you just come up with, like, you're not really a good liar. Like, it's just some like really outlandish, like just shit. I'll give you a few examples in a second, but really the only reason that I almost think you're a good liar is you have yourself so convinced of your own bullshit. Like, you're so thoroughly convinced seeming that I almost want to believe you, even though it's like fucking aliens kidnap my homework type shit. Um, and that's just how I ran my life for years. And for a little bit, it worked. And then it didn't. But I still didn't give a shit. Um, I still just continued to do what I do. I mean, overdoses... Um, ruined relationships, parents basically cutting me off, uh, parents. I, 
can't really say so i've never been to prison and i don't qualify myself as homeless but what i did do is live in my car because mommy and daddy wouldn't let me get high in their house and what i also did do is i was basically on house arrest for like six months because every time i walked out the door for more than 10 minutes outside of their eyesight I just fell into a syringe filled with drugs. Um, so they took away my keys, they took away my wallet, they took away my everything, and just tried locking me up in the house. They tried drug testing me. They basically tried being my parole officer. It didn't fucking work. I found a way. I just had drug dealer come in the back door. Ain't nobody gonna get between me and my fix. Ain't no, cops, God, mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, doesn't fuck, boyfriend, doesn't fucking matter. Heroin, meth, that was my life. That was my everything. That's all I gave a shit about. And I gave every soul, mind, body, everything to it. I drew many, many, many lines in the sand of I will never do that. I'm not that bad. I'll never shoot up. I'll never hook. I'll never fucking do all the, and I did them. Um, for a really long time, one of my biggest justifications was I don't steal shit and I always have money in the bank. Um, so I can't be a drug addict because drug addicts steal shit and they're broke. Meanwhile, I'm going and I'm selling my body because normal people do that. Normal people go out in the middle of fucking winter on the fucking corner in little booty shorts and fucking get in 80 year old men's cars and suck dick for drugs. That's totally normal. Uh, again, y'all just don't know how to do a Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> When I first started working, it was really weird having a source of income that took W-2s. Government, you can't really report like hooking to the government. It's kind of frowned upon. Um, that was like some of these things, these little things that like you really like. I'm going to jump all over the place. It'll be a little, it's not going to go in order. I'm still that, I got ADD. Um, those little things that you never think would be a big deal turn into a big deal, like being able to report what I do for a living to the government. That's a huge deal. When I had veins in my arm again, I literally called my dad at like one o'clock in the morning, like on the verge of tears, like I have veins in my arm. And my dad's like, <laughs> what parent wants to hear their kids saying, hey, dad, I fucked my body up so fucking badly I didn't even have veins left. Like, you think that's the image I want to see of my son? Like, and my mom's like in the background just bursting into tears and I'm like, I got to work on my audience. Fuck. <laughs> that would have killed in an AA meeting. My sponsor was super proud of me when I called him and told him that. Mommy and daddy didn't really want to hear that. They didn't really want to like picture that image of their kid. Um, and cause you know, I did everything in my power to shoot, burn, explode and destroy that image. I completely, I damn near broke my parents. I damn near broke my parents. Um, so 2016, I was 24 and my mom and dad, I, my parents almost got a divorce over my addiction. Um, 
Uh, my parents have been married for over 30 years. Uh, I was one of the only kids in my friend group growing up whose parents were still married and happily married. Um, I really don't know how I got so fucked up in my relationship. I have like the best example, but that's like a drug addict. Like, oh, perfect example. This is what happiness. Nah, fuck that. I'm gonna do my way. Nah, fuck all that shit. I'm gonna go be in abusive relationships and hook and date dudes who rape me because that's happiness. Um, I don't need all that like, you know, monogamy and like white picket fence bullshit. Um, so I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, Jesus Christ, four years in the meth still has done a, brain, a number on my brain cells. Um, Thank you. Parents almost got a divorce uh, because my I grew up with an alcoholic as a grandmother. You'd think that would have stopped me. Nope. Um, I just was like, oh, well, she's got a lot of fucking problems, and yet she gets all happy when she puts a bottle in her mouth. So maybe I got to try some of what she's doing. Um, and my dad had, you know, she, like many others, my parents had tried putting her into all kinds of rehabs, AA, yada, 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 yada. It never took with her. She's still drinking to this day. Uh, so my dad was pretty anti-rehab. He was pretty, just in general, but especially because I didn't want to fucking go. He was like, I'm not going to pay exorbitant, exorbitant amounts of money for something that isn't even want to do. Um, whereas my mom was like, he's going to die. I need to get him safe. I am tired of calling prison cells, praying that he's in there. No parent should, no mother should have to pray that her child is in prison. Cause at least he has a meal, a bed and most, well, in my mom's eyes, she doesn't really know what goes on in prison and that there was a shitload of drugs in prison. But in my mom's eyes, locked up in a cage meant no drugs for Robert. I would have found a fucking way, but in my mom's eyes. That would have been me being safe. Um, and I just, you know, that, looking back, thinking of prison life as the idea of safety, that's pretty scary. That's, that's, not, a way, that's not a way to live. Um, so that caused a lot of issues uh, between them. Um, finally, my mom got fed up and she told me that we were going to go visit my uncle's house in L.A., uh, so I got all excited to, you know, go try the LA drugs. Um, and I was really pissed about this cause I figured I was going to do drugs in LA. So I left like all my drugs in my room, kind of stupid move. Um, and she drops me off at a detox, uh, two big ass men have to drag my screaming fucking gay ass out the fucking car. Like I am literally holding onto the seat fucking kicking, like literally something like out of America's dumbest videos type shit. Um, and while that attempt did not take, I'm still eternally grateful for it. I had about a year. Um, I'm eternally grateful for that attempt because even though I didn't really do shit, it at least was enough to plant the seed on what shit I needed to do in order to make this work. Go to meetings, work the steps, get a sponsor, all the stuff you hear in the rooms. Um, I'm going to very briefly touch on the solution because right there. Um, if you've been to more than two or three meetings, you've heard it two or three times. However many meetings you've been to, you've heard the solution that many times. Um, 
I don't really have a new way to spin it. My ego would love to say I did. I would love to tell you I came up with some creative Buddhist magical combination of all the, I, I didn't. I just did shit that people with more time told me to do. Simple as that. Um, I got the fuck out of my own way. I opened a fucking book, um, big reader, but not, not self-help books. Um, like nothing that was going to get me sober. Uh, so I opened the big book. I did some steps. I became a service. I got a higher power. Again, all the stuff you hear in the meetings. Um, so after that year of sobriety, uh, I went back out. Um, and all the things I heard in the rooms, I think this is also one of the biggest parts that I'm really grateful for because all those like little cliches, like one day at a time and you know, all the things that make you want to punch people when you're new in the rooms, at least me, I, I really wanted to punch people. Um, I, I was just, I was an angry dude, uh, when I first got here, I was an angry little fairy. Couldn't back it up, but I had a mouth on me. I was more than willing to make you hear hear it for 45 fucking minutes. Um, I had, still had very little interest in doing anything other than my way. Um, luckily, though, because they just, you know, if you just, if they just kept, they just kept smiling at me and repeating it. They just kept smiling, and they're like, you know, one day you'll get it. Like one day you'll be back, and. I think, honestly, the first year I just stayed sober out of resentment to prove those fucking assholes wrong. Yeah. Like, I really think that's what it boiled down to. Um, and turns out they weren't wrong. Turns out I was not cured, um, and I went out really hard. And yet again, crossed more lines. In the span of a week, almost got arrested, overdosed for the third time. Uh, just pretty much fell off the face of the planet. Um, nobody knew where I was. My mom literally showed up at my old drug dealer's house trying to figure out if I was there. Like I, and this was like a big dude, like prison, like tatted head to toe, like scary looking motherfucker. And he calls me at two o'clock in the morning. Of course I don't answer, uh, cause he's too far away to get drugs from. So I want nothing to do with him. Um, so he calls me at like two o'clock in the morning and is like, bro, your mom's scaring me. Like your mom is on my front porch. It's two o'clock in the fucking morning. She is screaming at the top of her fucking lungs. I got guns. I got kilos. I cannot afford cops over here. Like you got to call this bitch or it's going to get bad. Um, and of course I didn't. I was too wrapped up in my own shit. Um, I think luckily she just figured out I wasn't there and she left of her own volition. Um, and... After, I didn't know this at the time, but when I came back after that week, I, I didn't even really have the intention of getting sober. I was going to go back to get my iPad because my phone had broken and I got to have some way of getting a hold of the drugs. So I needed that iPad. So I went back um, and I show up in my room at my sober living and my house manager's like, yo, you need to get a hold of your parents. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, and he's like, dude, you need to call your mother. And I'm like, Okay, for whatever reason, this time I decided to listen, and uh, I call my mother, and she just starts crying, screaming, just like barely can understand her for like 20 minutes until finally my dad grabs the phone and says, we got a call from a morgue saying they found a body matching your description. You're going to detox, or we're never talking to you again. Your mother cannot go through this again. You... You broke her. 
she can't like she cannot live through this again i don't even i mean it's been about four years and we don't talk about it because you want to see my mom break down into tears bring it up it to this day i mean that's something that i just i can't take away that level of pain i mean i put her through literally every parent's worst nightmare i mean not literally i didn't die i'm still here but she thought i was dead she was on her way to like claim a body and plan a funeral not to pick me up so um even though there have been many bottoms and a lot of bullshit and a lot of misery i decided it couldn't get any worse giving the detox and giving the aa and giving it one last shot couldn't really hurt i was already like i mean I'm a mama's boy, like many of us gays. I'm a mama's boy. That woman means the entire universe to me. And I've gotten, I'm a drug addict, so I'm pretty good at categorizing little boxes in my head. But I mean, four years later, like if I really let myself go into that box too much, what I put that woman through, I get fucked up and cry and all that shit. And I just, I'm not comfortable doing that in front of a room full of people. Sorry, guys. That's just kind of that's just kind of how it goes. Um, and so, I went to detox. I did a thirty day program. Um, I got a sponsor. I got the steps, and honestly, I still don't think I was like fully sold yet. But I just I did my sponsor gave me kind of that ultimatum of like not even ultimatum, but he did what like I thought I was special and unique, but apparently he does this to a lot of people, a lot of other sponsors. I hear it in meetings all the time. He was like, Give me a fucking year. Do your steps. Work the program. Give it your fucking all. If you're still this miserable, I'll go buy you a fucking eight ball and put you up in a hotel for two weeks. I'll buy you all the meth you need. And I was like, Bet. I'll see you in a fucking year, motherfucker. Um, thinking it wouldn't work when I got about nine months after I finished my steps, I called him super pissed off. It fucking worked. You piece of shit. Um, and I haven't looked back. I mean, I've obviously looked back, but I haven't gotten high. Um, I definitely have not done this program perfectly by any means. I have, uh, committed prostitution again in sobriety for drugs that weren't even for me because that's just, you know, super smart and like what people do. Um, it's very spiritual. Um, but throughout all the mistakes, I really don't have time any, like, fuck, that could be a 30 minute share just right there, all the mistakes I've made in four years. Through all the mistakes, I think the only thing that really, at the end of the day, kept me in my seat was that even when I fucked up, no matter how badly I fucked up, I immediately got honest. I immediately called the sponsor or called the, there's a couple things I'm just not really super comfortable talking with a 40 year old Latino straight guy, as much as I love him. Um, so there's like one or two things that uh, I talk with my gay friends about, um, but, 99.9% .9 of the shit he knows. And he knows, like, you know, the highlights of everything. There's just, like, and he's more than aware. He's like, I get it, dude. Like, there's the little nitty-gritty. I don't need to know the little nitty-gritty. It actually even says in the fifth step, a person. It doesn't say your sponsor. It says a person. So, honesty is all we really need. Um, 
And that has so far, hopefully one day, I just will get to a point where I won't make these colossal fuck-ups where I need to, like, drag my little fucking miserable tail back through the doors, and I won't just continue penalizing myself and causing a lot of unnecessary misery. Um, but, I mean, knowing me, that's probably gonna be, like, you know, maybe one, like, 50 years sober. Um, but at the least, I can get honest. I can do that at the least. Um, I can try and do a little bit better today than what I did yesterday. I definitely can also do that. Um, I can reach my hand out to other people. I can do that. Um, this program is not a very complicated program. It's really hard. Don't get me wrong. Getting sober is really hard, but it's pretty fucking simple. Um, and it has worked so far for a little over four years. So I'm Robert. I'm a dope fiend. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah.